What is up, everyone? My name is OJ Tucker, host of the OJ Tucker podcast, the only comedy tennis podcast that talks about a political and societal culture as a whole. My name is OJ Tucker, as the name would suggest. Happy Thursday. Hopefully, you guys are getting ready for your weekend, spending time with your family or friends, watching the Monte Carlo Relux Masters as well. There's a little bit of news that we can get into for today in terms of news outside the tennis world. I do want to discuss the Barbie trailer. So if you guys don't know, the Barbie trailer was released yesterday with a pretty interesting cast, Simu Liu, Margot Robbie, Ryan Gosling, John Cena. I didn't see him in the trailer, but pretty interesting cast, uh, pretty interesting characters. Overall, I want to see how the movie plays out. Apparently, the budget's over $100 million, so it's going to be interesting to see how it makes its money back. And more importantly, if the movie is good, there's some dialogue in the movie where I'm like, okay, this this is quite cheesy. This is quite removed, quite detached. Obviously, it it should be quite removed and quite detached. It's a movie about Barbie. But I do want to see whether or not this movie will do well. I wasn't really sold on the trailer, but I'll give you my overall thoughts on the trailer after some time. Uh, We can also discuss Elon Musk changing the Twitter logo from from the blue bird to a Shiba Inu. If you guys don't know what a Shiba Inu is... Consider yourselves lucky. Uh, Shiba Inu is the official logo for the Dogecoin, and it seems like Elon Musk is back investing in Dogecoin, trying to pump up the value of it by artificially making it bigger than it actually is. And this seems like to be one of those instances where he wants people to get Dogecoin. I'll talk about that. I'll talk more about like how crypto is in today's time in the year 2023, why I don't think crypto is as popular as it once was, and more importantly, why I think Elon Musk is complicit in handling the demise of crypto. So I wanted to talk about that with Elon Musk. We can also discuss Trump being arrested or Trump being arraigned last night. He was in court. He had a, he had a hearing. And apparently, if convicted, Trump will have to face 136 years in jail. This is because of the fact that he took uh, money from his own campaign fund and decided to pay off accusers like Stormy Daniels, uh, basically Stormy Daniels, uh, for uh, and, and hush money for for alleged for alleged sexual crimes. Uh, so that's mainly a, the main reason as to why he's getting rained. Well, I do think it's a little bit of a foul play here, and I don't think that there's little that, that there's any legitimacy to it. And more importantly, why I do think that this is just a sham to essentially sideline him from being a part of the 2024 race, which I think is the main reason as to why he's being in, involved in this court case to begin with. Uh, so I do want to discuss that with Trump. But let's t- start off with tennis, shall we? Let's start off with tennis, you know, because obviously Monte Carlo is just around the corner. It's happening. And there's been a lot of individuals who have been out. And the two biggest individuals who are out, who are sidelined from Monte Carlo, are Carlos Alcaraz and Rafa Nadal. Uh, both these people are sidelined due to injury, and because of that, they will no longer be able to play in Monte Carlo. Uh, I would, I want to get into this, right? So this is from Tennis Channel. So Rafa Nadal calls all across pull out of Monte Carlo Masters. Um, I'm not yet in condition to play with the maximum guarantee, and I continue my preparation process, hoping to be back soon, said Rafa. Uh, so this from AP, Rafa Nadal pulled out of the clay court Monte Carlo Masters on Tuesday, saying he's not yet able to compete on the highest level. The 22-time Grand Slam champion has been sidelined with a left hip flexor injury since the Australian Open. The Monte Carlo Masters begins on April 8th. I will not be able to play in one of the most important tournaments of my career, Monte Carlo. Not at all wrong on Twitter. I am not yet in conditions to play with a maximum guarantee, and I continue my preparation process, hoping to be back soon. 
The second rank, Carlos Alcaraz, also withdrew from the event because of physical discomfort after a semifinal loss in Florida last week. Alcaraz has been so dominant recently, he hadn't lost a set since February before that defeat. I have post-traumatic, stress, uh, post-traumatic arthritis in my left hand and muscular discomfort in the spine that needs to rest to prepare for everything that is to come, the 19-year-old from Spain said. Nadal has won the tournament a record 11 times, including open-era record streak of eight consecutive titles from 2005 to 2012. The 36-year-old Spaniard generally uses the event as a key part of his preparations for the French Open, which takes place May 28th to June 11th. Nadal has won 14 of his major of his major titles on clay at Roland Garros, including last year while dealing with chronic pain in his left foot. In January, Nadal hurt his left uh, hurt his hip flexor during a sec- during a second round loss to Mackenzie McDonald at the Australian Open. All right, so both these individuals are out. Obviously, we're close all across. He is tired. He is focused on trying to rehab and making sure that he's able to be back in tip top shape after the Monte Carlo Masters. I understand why. That match against Sinner was very draining on him, on his body. And I think he's doing the right thing with taking some time off. Um, you know, I, I do think that in a lot of ways, tennis players, especially younger tennis players, do take a lot of care about their body. And they do really make sure that they don't strain it even more than it, than it actually is. Obviously, when you're dealing with tennis, you know, you're dealing with a sport where... You know, you're out with long periods of time, playing out in long durations, three, four-hour tennis matches, you know, making sure that people have their money's worth when they're watching you play live and also watching at home. You know, it is a sport where it, is, it can be draining on your on your soul, on, on your playing career. And to see people take time off due to, you know, long uh, matches, to me... I, you know, there's a part of you where I'm like, oh, why can't you play through it? But at the same time, I also understand why they're doing it, right? I also understand why it's important for them to not compete 100% of the time in each and every tournament. And if Carlos Alcaraz is taking some time off because of that, then I, I don't really see an issue with it. With Nadal, obviously, his hip is still, you know, bugged up. And I understand, you know, this is not anything new. We've seen... A recurrence, a reoccurrence of injuries being plagued for Rafa Nadal's playing time, and how injuries have been a plague on his ability to succeed. Um, so this is not anything new, but I do think the Monte Carlo will be interesting this year. Obviously, they're both out, and they're not the only ones out. Are, are obviously FAA will also be out. Uh, apparently, Shapovalov will be out. Murray is in, which is nice. Obviously, it's good to see Murray play and compete, um, but. This will be a less star-studied Monte Carlo. There will be less star players competing in this Monte Carlo as opposed to a year or two before. And does that change the overall quality of play? I mean, yeah, most definitely. I do think that if you have top star players being out, it does definitely hurt and damage the product on the court. But at the same time, there are still important storylines to get into, right? When you think about Stefano Sitzboss, you know, I think Stefano Sitzboss, now more than ever, this is his time not only to shine, but more importantly, to progress and improve. I mean, we're dealing with an individual who won the 2021 and 2022 Monte Carlo Rolex Masters, right? He's trying to go for his third straight Monte Carlo Rolex Masters. We'll see how that goes. 
You know, when you think about Sasha Zverev, I mean, Sasha Zverev had that lower body injury last year during the French Open. It's, it's, it's been taking some time for him to come back. Obviously, he hasn't been playing as well as we would like to hope. So hopefully this allows him to step up to the occasion and do well. You know, these are certain individuals that should be kept in mind when you think about, you know, making a deep, solid, a deep, solid run at Monte Carlo. When you think about Novak Djokovic, Novak Djokovic was out during the entire month of March because of the fact that he couldn't get the vaccine. You know, because of the fact that the United States has vaccine requirements, he wasn't able to be able to play due to said vaccine requirements. And because of that, he wasn't able to play for uh, for the entire month of March, which obviously not right. Obviously, I've been quite vocal and quite supportive of Novak Djokovic throughout this entire ordeal. Uh, but I do think that at some point, point or time, he will take that step forward when a clay tournament during this year and make sure that he is in 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 good in good shape for Roland Garros. So these are three individuals that I think should be kept in mind when we discuss individuals that can make a deep solid run at Monte Carlo. Obviously these are individuals that have won before uh, at, at high level tournaments, but at the same time, these are individuals that I think, in my opinion, have the best chance of winning. You know, so seven six spots, I think this is now or never. This is boom or bust. If he does not win Monte Carlo or does not make a deep solid run in Monte Carlo, then there's no point in really looking at him for the clay season. Obviously, when you think about the 2021 clay season for Sitsabas, he did well, right? He did extremely well. He won certain uh, several tournaments. I think he won the Barcelona Open back in 2021. Uh, he, he's had success during this time at the clay season. You know, I think I jokingly called him the Queen of Clay, which I want to take back and call him the Prince of Clay. But at the same time, I kind of like that. I kind of like that uh, nickname. Even though it makes no sense whatsoever, I enjoy that nickname. So yeah, overall, I hope Monte Carlo is good because obviously you do see a lack of stars in Monte Carlo and that are competing for this tournament. So the fact that anyone's able to step up to the occasion, I think that's a good sign. And if it's Sitsipas, Zverev, hey, even if it's Djokovic, I mean, I think that's all great. I mean, obviously Djokovic is expected to win, assuming that he is playing, which I'm pretty sure he is. Um... But at the same time, there are other individuals that should be of note, uh, whether it's Tsitsipas, whether it's Zverev. Um, there are other individuals that I think should be at the forefront. I mean, I think Hubert Hurkacz is also playing. Andy Murray, if he's able to play, I mean, I, who knows? Even he could make a deep run. Again, it's so wide open. I think parity matters a lot. I really do think so. And I think in this tournament, parity is really showing fourth i think it's very public that parody will be there that's not going to be as clear cut as say before with nadal and alcross in the mix you know i think parody is a good thing i think right now we're certainly having that with this year's monte carlo so overall uh those are my thoughts on on the monte carlo rolex masters um it will be fun it will be enjoyable to see what will happen it's interesting it's interesting to see back to back to back atp 1000 tournaments just happening which I, I think that's a good thing. Um, but yeah, overall, I'm, I'm just... It's going to be interesting to see what, what's going to happen, you know? Interesting to see what's going to happen. Um, but yeah, overall, those are my predictions. I hope Nadal gets better soon. I hope Alcross uh, will compete in the next tournament. And um, yeah, again, the better the, more, the better the competition is, the better the tournament will be. It, it does not matter if it's 
Monte Carlo. It does not matter if it's major. The better the competition, the better the the better the tournament will be. And hopefully, we're going to see that in the next subsequent AT one thousand tournaments in the clay season. Whether it's the Madrid, Madrid Open, even if it's the Barcelona Open, the Line Open, you know who knows what what will be it. But um, yeah. I don't think Sitzpas won the Barcelona Open final in 2021. I think he won the line Open. Uh, I think he reached the Barcelona Open final, but he, I don't think he won the Barcelona Open. I just had to make that quick correction before somebody you know jumped on me uh, on in the comments or or, or my, in my messages. So yeah, overall, my thoughts on that. Hopefully, uh, we get a good tournament. That's that's all I can really hope for, and that's all I could really ask for. And I think that's the priority for everyone. You know, just having a good tournament. So yeah, overall, those are my thoughts on that. So let's get into our topics outside of tennis for, for today, shall we? So Trump was arraigned yesterday in courts, and it was interesting to see. Uh, apparently, he apparently put on his Truth Social account the following, uh, headed to lower Manhattan, the courthouse seems so surreal. Wow, they are going to arrest me. Can't believe this is happening in America. MAGA. So he put that on Truth Social. He also put some other uh, questionable call, a post on Truth Social, which were brought up in court. Uh, but it was an interesting picture because I think it was public. It was not like some cartoonist drawing the court footage and then showing it to news reporters. It was actually like there were news reporters in court. Um, and if if convicted, right, if convicted of this crime, uh, Trump will face 136 years in jail. Apparently, and this is... What I know, apparently he took campaign money, campaign funds, and instead of funding his own campaign like a person should, he instead used that money to pay for settlements, uh, pay for Stormy Daniels, and to basically zip up individuals that would accuse him of sexual misconduct and sexual assault. Um, That's basically the gist of why he's in court right now. Now, do I think that this is there's any validity to it? I don't think so. I really don't think so. I think this is a sham. I do think that this is just a way to sideline him from competing in the debates, from from allowing him to participate in the debates, because they realize just how strong and powerful he is in the debates. They realize just how different he is compared to all the other politicians on stage, and they're afraid that if he does enter the debates that it will be the end of the Republican primaries and that Trump will win. And I think that's their biggest fear. That's their biggest fear is that if he does get in these debates, it will be game over for the Republican establishment and thus it will allow Donald Trump to run yet again in 2024 against Joe Biden. And I do think that this is just a way to sideline him from being in those debates, from being a part of that political uh, process and who knows how far it will be stretched. I don't think that there's any validity to these claims because, again, if you're going to put Donald Trump in jail, you got to put every other president in jail who's been complicit in, in sex crimes and, more importantly, complicit in war crimes. Because if this is considered jailable offense, then jail every other comedian who decided to bomb another country overseas, right? That should be their MO. But, but again... This is Donald Trump we're talking about. So this guy's going to be getting different. This guy will be getting a different treatment compared to other presidents. He did not play their game, rhetorically wise, rhetorical wise. He did not play their game in terms of policy wise. He was no different than any other president. I've been, I've been, I've been very vocally clear here uh, that he has been no different than any other president. 
But in terms of rhetoric-wise, in terms of what he's tweeted, in terms of what he's said, it's different from what any other individual from that position has ever said. And that's something that they fear. And that's something that they don't want to have. So overall, it's it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. Uh, apparently, under New York jurisdiction laws, you can't really put somebody in jail through like an offense like this. It's very rare to see it happen like this. So if this does happen, it'll be very not ordinary, not ordinary whatsoever. It'll be literally just going against what the New York State law is. But we'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. You know, again, Trump is a very interesting... Okay, before I get into that, I want to say this. The panelists of CNN have also called this case underwhelming. If the panelists of CNN are calling this case underwhelming, that's not a good sign for the people that are so firmly against Trump that they want to see him in jail. It just isn't, right? So keep that in mind. It's not a good sign when you see that happen with CNN, right? It's just not. Again, this is CNN, right? This is a corporation that is just so anti-Trump that they'll go for anything to go after Donald Trump. Again, this is the same same corporation that was fawning over Michael Avenatti the lawyer for Stormy Daniels. So, all right, we're going. We're talking about a, a network that stooped that low that they were that vocal about Michael Avenatti and they were that supportive of Michael Avenatti to be president of the United States. That's what we're dealing with here. A, a network that said that that's now also saying that this case is underwhelming, right? And again, it all goes back to the fact that they're afraid of Trump on the microphone. You know, I don't know if you guys watch wrestling here, but, and again, I'm only really talking about it because it's, it's, we're past WrestleMania. That's, that's the main reason. But I remember 10, 11 years ago, 12 years ago, close to 12 years ago now, uh, CM Punk was like the talk of the town, right? Summer 2011 was the summer punk. And every time that he stepped foot in a WWE event ring, every Monday Night Raw for that matter, Whenever he had access to a microphone, it was like a pipe bomb, right? It was He was speaking truth to power. He was the voice of the voiceless. You know, he really riled up individuals to say things that very few people could say to the faces of, it, of those selected few that had power. And when you saw Donald Trump back in 2016, he was that figure. He was that figure that spoke truth to power, even though he was not really making the right decisions during his time in office. I mean, he was no different than Mitt Romney or Jeb Bush. During that debate time, during that debate stage, he was speaking a lot of truth and a lot of honest beliefs that people had but just didn't have the luxury to say to the faces of the elite. And that's what made him so popular and whatnot. So I think that's the main reason as to why they're sort of sidelining him is because they realize that he has so much power on stage that... In a lot of ways, he does have that ability to offer a pipe bomb, and they're just afraid of seeing that happen. And I know it's a weird thing to relate CM Punk to Donald Trump, but in a lot of ways, politics is wrestling. And you see that happen. You're seeing that happen right now with the court case. You've seen that happen in the debates previously, and I think that's going to be, I think politics will always be synonymous with wrestling. And a lot of ways, and also Donald Trump was in the WWE as well. I think he's in the WWE Hall of Fame, which is kind of interesting to see. But anyways, as I talked about in the last podcast, he is the big boss in a video game. And a lot of times you just cannot take him down. 
That's what it comes down to, right? He is that big boss in that video game. You're trying so hard to take him down. You know, you have all these other smaller, dweeby politicians trying, you know, go after him, you know, trying to tag team him, you know, trying to do everything that they can to take him down, especially in 2016. You saw the Jeb Bushes and the Marco Rubios and the Ted Cruz's and the Carly Fiorinas, all of those individuals just gang up on him during the primaries and trying to act as if, you know, they had a chance, but they just couldn't. And I think in a lot of ways, we'll see a repeat of that. Now, it'll be interesting to see how Mike Pence handles this. I don't think Mike Pence has said a word about this incident, which I think is good for his his chances. Uh, Ron DeSantis, I don't think, has done himself any favors in terms of what he said. But overall, it will be interesting to see how this plays out in the long run. I can only hope that we'll see more of this happen, you know, where we just see more craziness ensue. Do I think that this court case will last until 2024? Absolutely. Like, I, I don't think this will end any anytime soon. I really don't think so. With the amount of charges that are against him, I don't think he's going to be, he's going to be in court. I don't think he'll be thrown in jail. I just don't think so at all. I just do not think so. He'll be, I just don't think it's a good look to have a, a former sitting U.S. president be thrown in jail. I don't think it's a good look for the country. Obviously, there are a lot of individuals that should be thrown in court, whether it's George W. Bush, what he did in Iraq and Afghanistan, whether it's Joe Biden for what he did in Somalia, whether it's Barack Obama for the drone strikes and what he's done in Libya, or even Donald Trump, per se, for what he did to Yemen in four years during his time in office. There are a lot of individuals that should be thrown in office for war crimes, but for a small thing like this, where obviously, you know, paying individuals hush money is, is not that great, not that great, but in the grand scheme of things, if you want to throw him in jail, Trump in jail, you got to throw everyone else in jail. I mean, that's just the bottom line here. So that's sort of what it comes down to, right? Overall, I, I wish Trump well. I wish him well. I hope. Uh, I, again, I'm coming. This, this is coming from a guy who does not care about. I, I, I don't vote. I don't vote. I, I'm not a supporter of any of these politicians. I just aren't. I'm just not. You know, if you had to put a gun to my head and said, hey, you have to vote for one candidate and one candidate only, probably have to say Bernie just because I feel like he's the most honest and sincere uh, but other than that, I, I don't care enough to like really vote. I just enjoy the hilarity of it all. I just enjoy the craziness that comes from politics. That's what I enjoy. I like seeing the long form storytelling of politics. You know, right? If, if politics is wrestling, right? If politics is wrestling, I do enjoy the worked shoots during the debates. I do enjoy how they don't break kayfabe. In the debates, when in reality they're an entirely different person off stage. I enjoy all that. I enjoy the long-term booking that the powers that be have. I enjoy all that. I enjoy the hilarity. I enjoy the craziness. I enjoy all of that because I think, in a lot of ways, it's necessary. You know, it's necessary. It is necessary to to have this. You know, it really is because as we all know, these these individuals in office will not do anything. They just won't. They just won't. So to see them go back and forth on debates, to see Trump just verbally annihilate people on stage will be absolutely hilarious. You know, I really don't want him to be arrested because I want to see him on the debate stage. If anything, I want to see Trump on the debate stage back and I want to see him rip, rip Nikki Haley a new one. I want to see him rip Ron DeSantis a new one. I want to see him go after his former vice president that's what i want to see i want to see him go after the individual that literally helped him 
in the election, get the evangelical support, just rip Mike Pence a new one, accuse him of being gay, accuse him of other things. Like, I don't know. I'm, I, I wouldn't put, put it past Donald Trump to accuse Mike Pence of being gay. Just do everything. I want to see him in the debates. If anything, that's the only part that I truly want to see. And I think that's something that everyone, regardless of your party, wants to see as well. I want to be able to see Trump in the debate stage because I enjoy seeing him tear down these politicians. And I think that's a great thing. That's the only thing that's redeeming about Donald Trump is the fact that he's able to really rip it to these politicians, a new one during the debate stage. Other than that, I mean, he's basically no different than any other Republican president whatsoever. He just isn't. So yeah, I want to see him just go after these these people, you know, take them for what they're worth, take them for what they're worth. So yeah, overall, those are my thoughts on Trump being arrested. Again, there's not really much to talk about with the court case because he's not going to be thrown in jail. He's not going to be thrown in prison. Like, it's just not. He's just, first off, he's way too old, right? I mean, obviously, you can throw people in prison for being way too old. That happened to Cosby. But again, he's a sending US, He's a former sending U.S. president. Um, I'm sure he has a lot of dirt on a lot of people in office. He's probably seen a lot of things that the public isn't really that wary of. You know, again, there's a lot of things that could go wrong if they throw him in prison. So, overall, I, I don't care if he gets thrown in prison or not. I simply do not care. But based off the facts alone, and based on my own interest to see him on the debate stage, I hope he doesn't get arrested. I, I hope he doesn't get thrown in court or thrown in jail in prison. That's what I hope I, he doesn't do. Anyways... Those are my thoughts on that. Let's get into news outside of politics, outside of things that are important. Uh, yeah, let, let, let's let's segue from this topic, but because I feel like I've talked about it ad nauseum, and I think that's a little bit too it'll be a little bit too much for me to continue further. Uh, so let's let's get into Elon Musk, shall we? So Elon Musk uh, has changed the Twitter logo from the blue bird eye logo icon, as Twitter is now infamously known for to a shiba inu hopefully i'm saying the dogs breed correctly uh but this is from cnn business uh so tr twitter's traditional bird icon was booted and replaced with an image of a shiba inu an apparent nod to dogecoin the joke cryptocurrency that ceo elon musk is being sued over musk addressed the change monday afternoon tweeting as promised above an image a year old conversation in which another user suggested that musk just buy twitter and change the bird logo to a doge the Doge logo appeared on the site two days after Musk asked a judge to throw out a $258 billion racketeering lawsuit, accusing him of running a pyramid scheme to support the Dogecoin, according to Reuters. Lawyers from Musk and Tesla called the lawsuit by Dogecoin investors a, a fanciful work of fiction over Musk's innocuous and often silly tweets. It wasn't clear whether the logo... Okay, first and foremost, I don't think those tweets are silly. I think he generally wanted Dogecoin to succeed. And I do think that in a lot of ways, this is just another attempt for him to really up the price of Dogecoin because I'm sure he's investing in it, right? I, I remember as soon as I saw him change the Twitter bird logo to Shiba Inu, I remember seeing a, a notification from Coinbase saying the price for Dogecoin recently went up from 0.08 cents to 0.09 cents. And I'm like... Yeah, there, there's something up with the, with this. And in a lot of ways, I do think that this is just a way for him to 
artificially pump up the price of Dogecoin to the point where he's able to just buy it and then sell it once he puts out a tweet saying, okay, it's time to put the Twitter logo back to Bluebird. Thank you for all the people that enjoy the Shiba Inu. And, and I think that's what's going to happen here. Again, I might be far off from here. I might, my predictions might be off. But this is just my hunch, right? I've seen it before on Twitter with Elon Musk trying to pump up the value of Dogecoin. And I, it wouldn't shock me if I see it again, right? I think this is what, what, what it's going to come down to. Uh, again, is it an interesting gaffe to have like the Twitter blue logo change to Shiba Inu? Sure, I guess, I assume, maybe. Uh, but again, that's just my overall conspiracy brain. Or just my, I don't even want to call it a conspiracy because I don't even think it's considered as conspiracy. Just my my hunch brain. Like That's just my hunch brain and, and kicking into high overdrive. It's not even a conspiracy brain. It's my hunch brain. So yeah, I, I think that's what's going to happen. Uh, but let me continue with the with the uh, with the uh, article. It wasn't clear whether the logo change was permanent. Musk has been known to use Twitter to troll both his fans and his critics. The price of Dogecoin, which is typically volatile, was up more than twenty percent over the past twenty four hours to about nine cents. It was trading just under eight cents Monday morning. Dogecoin was created December eight uh, December six, twenty thirteen, by a pair of software engineers as a joke. The name is a nod to the Doge meme that became popular a decade ago. The Shiba Inu mascot mimics the meme, a dog surrounded by a bunch of comic sans text in broken English. All right. Okay. All right. Uh, so, yeah, overall, as the article suggests, the price did go up. The price did go up. And that's interesting to see. Very, very interesting to see. Again, I don't know what to expect from this. I really don't. Um, I remember a year or two ago, this exact same thing happened with Dogecoin with Elon Musk, and it's repeating again. And I don't know what to really think of it. If anything, this just goes to show you that cryptocurrency is just a joke. It is. And I'm a guy who really wanted cryptocurrency to do well. I was like, hey, this is a currency that's not tethered to the U.S. government when I first started out, when it first started getting popular, I was like, this is not tethered to the U.S. government. This is entirely on its own. It's it's punk rock in a lot of ways. I know that's kind of cringe to say that about a cryptocurrency, but it's defying law. It's defying orders. It, it's doing its own thing. It's not tied to the U.S. Federal Reserve System, not tied to the banks. You know, and I was I was a supporter of cryptocurrency and specifically ethereum i was very very supportive of ethereum you know and i thought hey this is going to be a great thing but once i saw that it was just another pump and dump scheme where people just wanted a quick profit without really doing their due diligence to keep their money in crypto i was like yeah this is not going to be the new thing right if you're only viewing cryptocurrency as a guise to make profit through the u.s dollar then you're not you're never going to take cryptocurrency seriously as an actual currency. If anything, you're just going to view it as a way to profit and and flip it to make even more money through the U.S. dollar system. That's all you're going to be viewing it as, and that's what Elon Musk is viewing it as right now. So I would love here to be here. I would love to sit here and say, "Oh man, I really want to see Dogecoin do well," but it's just going to be another rehash of what we've seen in the past few years with Dogecoin, with the Ethereum, with Bitcoin, with every other cryptocurrency that has failed. 
because they are failing. Cryptocurrency is failing. NFTs are failing. And by the way, while I did enjoy cryptocurrency from right from the get-go, I was like, NFTs are fucking dumb. They're just dumb. I mean, NFTs are just so dumb to to really think about, honestly. Like, it's just such a dumb thing. That when, when I first saw NFTs, I'm like, yeah, you want to pay, like, thousands of dollars for an ape? I'm like, yeah, this is not for me. This is not my wheelhouse. With crypto, there was some validity to it. So I'll give crypto the benefit of the doubt there. But for NFTs, I'm like, yeah, this is just dumb. And this is coming from a guy that liked Ethereum, right? Like NFTs are built off Ether. They're built off of what Ethereum is built off of, off of, off of as well. So again, yeah. Overall, I just think that with cryptocurrency, there was a lot of t- potential there. There was a lot of potential for it to be the next new wave of currency. And I'm not saying that it's gone. I'm not saying that there can be a revitalization of cryptocurrency, but it will only be viewed in as as a way to make more U.S. dollars. That's all it's going to be viewed as. It's never going to be viewed as as the next currency. It'll never be viewed as, as a thing that will be free from the grasp of the U.S. Federal Reserve System and the U.S. government, it will always be tied to the U.S. dollar. And if that's the case, then what's the point in investing in cryptocurrency? I know I'm a little bit away from the topic of Elon Musk. There's not that much to dissect with the Dogecoin. But for me, like as a guy that was big into cryptocurrency back in December 2017, January 2018, uh, it, it pains me to see how cryptocurrency has devolved since then. And Maybe Elon Musk does play a role in it because I do think that he was a part of this pump and dump scheme where he was pumping up the price of Dogecoin. And then as soon as he tweeted out that I sold all my Dogecoin, the the support for Dogecoin went like this. And there's a, there's a reason to it. So I do want to see crypto do well. I do want to see crypto do well. I think it's imperative to see other currencies be able to do well, especially when it's not tied to the U.S. government. I do think it's good to see the U.S. government, especially in this case, take an L. It is. It's it's a good thing to see. Don't don't kid yourself. Whenever you see the U.S. government take an L like that, when it comes when it comes to cryptocurrency, especially when it first came out, you gotta support it. You gotta support it. And when you saw all the pundits on you know CNBC and Fox Business like shit, crap on cryptocurrency, but then pump out you know stocks that are obviously manipulated. And obviously, are come at the expense of retail day traders. Whenever you saw those people have pot on their face for talking about cryptocurrency, there was nothing better than that. There was absolutely nothing better than that. But again, if it's just going to be viewed as a as a way to make more money through the U.S. dollar, then there's no point in really taking it credibly. You know, it's 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 the same thing that happened with GameStop and AMC, right? Where you saw a lot of retail day traders really go against the short, really going against these companies shorting GameStop and really trying to put them out of business by trying to artificially inflate the value of the company by investing in it. And when you saw all these individuals on on you know Fox Business and CNBC being like, this is not possible. How is this how can this be? How can this happen? You know, it reminds me of this is gonna be very dorky, but it reminds me of that first episode of Yu-Gi-Oh! where Kaiba had all the three blue eyes white dragons, and then Yugi was like, 
my deck doesn't have any pathetic cards, Kaiba, but it does have the Unstable Exodia. And Kaiba was like, no, it can't be. That's what it felt like when I saw all these analysts like talk about, you know, cryptocurrency and, and GameStop and whatnot. Again, I'm very I'm being very dorky with with the with the uh, with the similarities here. Uh, I mentioned wrestling. I mentioned uh, Yu-Gi-Oh. I'm I'm being a dork when it comes to this episode. Okay, just know that I might call this episode. I'll, this is the dorky episode. I'll name the, I'll name this podcast episode and title it. This is the dorky episode because I'm being very dorky with the similarities here and with uh, the examples here. But that's what it reminded me of. You know that that particular Yu-Gi-Oh example. Where you saw, you know, a bunch of these analysts online, on on online, on television, being like, "This can't be possible. This can't be," and you just saw the prices increasing, soaring up. Whether it was cryptocurrency, whether it was the GameStop stock, or whether it was AMC, and it was nice. It was a nice few days when that happened. Those days are now over. Now I feel like there's a little bit more perplexity in the air, if that's a word, perplexity. There's a little bit more sort of, it feels a little bit more desolate in a lot of ways. I feel like the vibes when it comes to investing in, in crypto in terms of, you know, stocks, it feels a little bit more gut-wrenching. I think people are more prone to the reality of the situation. They're a little bit more helpless and hopeless as a result of it because of how this economy has really screwed over retail day traders and, and screwed over, you know, people that handle cryptocurrency. I feel like a lot of individuals are just gassed out of crypto at this moment in time, which obviously I understand why. I, I completely understand why that's the case. But I hope at one point or time we can go back to that moment where we viewed crypto as a viable threat to the United States dollar. Because, you know, while we may hate on cryptocurrency, it's not the one that funded all the wars. It's not the one that, you know, made heroin being trafficked into the United States. You know, I mean, as much as we, we want to talk about crypto, it's not the one, it's not this whole reason as to why we have all these wars in the first place. It's not the main reason as to why, you know, we have such a strong connection with Saudi Arabia and with Israel and with all these countries that, you know, these wars start over. I mean, that's the United States dollar. So hopefully we keep that in mind. Obviously, crypto is not, it's, it, it, crypto could be better, right? It's not the ideal thing, you know, especially when you think about Bitcoin, Ethereum, it's not ideal, especially now when you see a blurring of the lines between crypto and the United States government, you know, it's, it's a little bit off the wall. It's a little bit out there. Uh, but at the same time, I do want to see it do well. You know, I mean, I do want to see it do well if it happens to be a separation between crypto in that of our own government. If not, then there's no point to it. But if there can be some form of crypto out there that isn't so tethered to the United States government, then that might be a good thing for us. I don't know. I think I'm, I'm, I think I'm projecting here, but it might be a good thing for us. Who knows? But anyways, uh, I think that's it for the topic for today for, uh, for Elon Musk and putting it as Shiba Inu as his logo. I know I went a little bit too far there. I, I know I went a little bit too outside of the topic here. I mean, there's only so much you can really talk about with him changing the logo from the blue bird to Shiba Inu. But I know I just went through like a spiral from that. But I do hope that at some point or another, we can get to that point where we can have a crypto 
that's just so not tethered to the government. Because it might be good. It might be good. Who knows? Anyways, I think that's it for the topic for today, for, for that Elon Musk thing. Let's get into news that's a little bit more happy, uh, just a little bit more not really fo- focused on politics or on our societal culture. Just something that's just, just, just that just eases things, that gets you into the right mood for the weekend for us, for me, uh, and that is I recently watched the Bobby trailer that uh, was premiered yesterday. I think it was on the Warner Brothers YouTube account. So I did watch the Barbie movie trailer. Uh, if you guys don't know, Barbie Mattel has decided to release a movie through a through Warner Brothers in regards to their prized uh, entity, property, if you could call that, uh, their most prized property, uh, Barbie. They recently released uh, a trailer for that, for the upcoming movie. It looks crazy. Uh, I think that's the best way you can really describe it. I don't know if it's going to be good or not. Obviously, Greta Gerwig is directing it. So, obviously, Greta Gerwig has had some movies that have done well, critically and commercially, whether it's Lady Bird, whether it's um, Little Women. I think she was also in Frances Ha. I think she was the actor for it. I don't know if she was directing it. I think that was Noah Baumbach. Uh, But she's been in some movies where I'm like, okay, she definitely has the directing chops for it. And hopefully in this movie, she has that as well. Uh, so obviously it stars Ryan Gosling and stars Margot Robbie. I'll be quite honest with you. I, I, I don't think Margot Robbie is the worst actor ever. And I don't think she's the best actor ever, but after seeing her for a few times in movies, I'm like, I do, I definitely do think that she does have a ceiling where in this movie, she does, she plays, she has that hokey Jersey accent and it feels like every movie she's playing the same character. It doesn't feel like any movie, and maybe it's because of the movie, the few movies that I've seen of her in. But I feel like in every movie that I see of her in, she plays the exact same character, like this sort of Jersey girl with this, you know, fake Jersey accent. You know, you see it in Babylon, you see it in Wolf of Wall Street. You know, you see it in a lot of movies that she's in. And at some point or another, I, I want to like be like. You know you can have like a valley girl accent here, right? Like it is Barbie, right? If if you're having Barbie, is it does it really make sense for her to have like a Jersey accent? Does it really make sense for Barbie to have a Jersey accent, or should you have her in a valley accent, like a you know like a Coachella, you know California Cali accent? I think that might be the better option there. I'm just saying, I'm not, I'm no actor, right? I'm not an actor. I I've never been in acting school. I don't even do improv. Like I'm not an actor at all. All I can do is just tell jokes on stage, and you know, give you my thoughts on things that you know were trending on Twitter. That's all I can really do. Uh, to be quite honest with you, I'm not an actor whatsoever. But I'm just saying, if I'm if I'm in a Barbie movie, I think it would make make way more sense to have like a Valley Girl accent, a Coachella Girl accent, than say like a Jersey accent that even in for like multiple movies now. Again, I don't think Margot Robbie is a bad actor at all. I think she's quite talented in a lot of ways. But I just find the Jersey accent to be grating at times. And I do think that it does get a little bit too repetitive. So that's my only critique on Margot Robbie. I think she's a great actor, by the way. But I, I just don't think in this movie that the Jer- that the Jersey Shore, Westchester, Hampton... like I, I just don't think that that accent really meshes well with the tone of the movie. Right when you look at the movie, it's like very cheesy. It's very superficial. The color correction is just through the roof. 
it's just like what it's just what it's asking it it's it's asking itself not to be taken seriously so maybe i'm thinking too much about the accent but at the same time i feel like if you're going to play the role you might as well make it that much more superficial i feel like when you add the jersey girl accent especially after watching babylon especially after seeing wolf of wall street it 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 sort of throws the vibes off a bit but again that's just me like hyper critiquing the trailer maybe other people have different thoughts on it but maybe i'm just being that sort of focused on the trailer where i'm like this doesn't make any sense but that those are my that's what i thought about when i thought when i saw uh margot Robbie in that in that in that role uh, also ryan gosling's in the film and obviously ryan gosling is a great actor i mean i think he's one of the best actors within his cohort I mean, when you see La La Land, when you th- when you see uh, the Nice Guys, the Nice Guys is a hilarious movie. Go watch the Nice Guys if you want to see like a good like buddy cop esque film. Definitely go watch the Nice Guys. It's a good film. It still holds up to this day. And even though it was released like seven eight years ago, but it still holds up. I remember watching that in like high school and being like, yeah, this is like one of the best films ever made. Uh, I don't know if I, it's still like that today. I still have to watch it, but yeah, Ryan Gosling, great. Michael Cera is also in it as well. Uh, and you know, as a kid, you know, growing up watching Scott Pilgrim, you're like, yeah, this guy's the G. This guy's the, you know, certified G. Uh, John Cena is also in the cast. I couldn't see him in the trailer for the movie. Um, <laughs> that's not me, you know, ripping off that you know meme of not seeing John Cena. I just couldn't see him in the in the trailer. Uh, so hopefully, it's it's going to be an interesting movie. Do I think it will be as good as say Oppenheimer? Because apparently, Oppenheimer and Barbie are releasing in the same weekend. No, I don't think so. But I think in terms of just looking at it for what it is, I do think that it will get like a cult following. I do think it will be a critique of of feminism in a lot of ways. I, th- I do think that it will be a critique on... It will have some form of a critique on today's cultural opinions. I do think that that will be the case. Uh, now, do I think it will be in the same vein as, say, like other films that sort of are in that same space as well. Do I think this will be better than like, I don't know what, what movie really talks about, you know, female empowerment like that. I don't mean, if there's any movie like that, then I I don't, then by all means leave those comments down below. I do not know. But again, hopefully this movie is not cringe inducing. Hopefully this movie does have some redeeming qualities to it. Again, it's Greta Gerwig directed. So there's got to be some that are good. I mean, there are certain jokes in the in the film that might land in 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 the in the theater, might land when it hits theaters. Um, but yeah, hopefully that happens. Um, Simi Liu's also in it, and again, it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. You know, he's been very supportive of Marvel movies, and obviously the, the Marvel movies are the reason as to why he has a career. So I'm going to be interested to see how that plays out as well. There seems to be a lot of diversity in the film in terms of like they have Issa Rae and, you know, Simu Liu. Um, I'm sure they have they have other individuals of that nature, but which is, I think is quite interesting to see as well. There's a lot of factors in this movie. Again, will this movie make its money back in the box office? Who knows? Uh, again, it's tied to an IP. So it has that working for itself. 
Greta Gerwig's also behind it, you know, so I think that ha- that does play a role. Noah Baumbach is also in it. Noah Baumbach's movies are mostly through Netflix, so I don't know whether or not there's a return on those movies because Netflix does not really show that information firsthand. Uh, but I hope the movie's good. I hope the movie's good. Uh, 2023 has been a quite a down year for movies, in my opinion. I, I don't think the movies have been that great this year. Again, maybe I'm judging it so early. Again, we're only three months in, but I feel like the movies could be better. I mean, I feel like you could say that about every year, but in regards to this year, I do think that the, that the movies could be better because by by this point, point last year, I mean, we had everything everywhere all at once. I, I still have not we have watched the movie, by the way. And that'll be the one movie that I I, refu- I still do not watch. I and mean, I mean, even last year, we had the Batman. And as much as I crap on superhero movies, that movie was decent. It was good. I mean, what other... I mean, if anything, this year, I, the only good thing that I can say about this year is that superhero movies have been tanking. And that's what I... That's what I enjoy. Right? When you see Black Adam tanking, I think Black Adam was released last year. But still, when you think about Ant-Man and the Wasp, when you think about... Um... Oh, not Ant-Man and the Wasp. Ant-Man, Quantumania. I think that was the film. When you think about Black Panther 2 not getting the reviews that, you know, as solid as, say, the first one, even though even though it was released last year. You know, there's a lot of superhero films that have been tanking, and I think that's a good thing. Shazam. Shazam has been tanking, and that's a good thing. At the end of the day, I think people want more. They want to be in a movie where they don't have to watch 30 other movies beforehand to be caught up they want to see a film where there's a little bit of ambiguity to it you know that's what i want and hopefully barbie is able to offer that you know if barbie is like the female american psycho so if barbie is like jennifer's body i think it'll be i think that i think that's that's anticipated i i kind of want to have that to be honest with you i kind of want to have like barbie be like this year's jennifer's body i don't care what anybody says jennifer's body is a good film like, I don't care what anybody says. It was good back in 2009. It's still a good film to this day. I don't care what anybody says. It's a good film. It's If, if you are if you want to watch a female American cycle film, go watch Jennifer's Body. Go watch it. Go watch it. Uh, so if this movie is like Jennifer's Body, I think it'll be good. I know that's a little bit of a big big of an ask, especially for, uh, for a film like this. But if it's like Jennifer's Body, then it will be a good film. Anyways, um... What else, what else can we say about this movie besides the obvious? I really don't think there's anything much you can really add to this movie besides besides the fact that hopefully this can be a good film in a year where the movies have not been that great. You know, in terms of like films, I feel like the Hindi film industry right now has had more films that are better than the Hollywood film industry right now. When you think about Patan, when you think about uh, Tujuti Me Makar, you know, these films... Well, there there are bad parts in these films, and while I'm not going to say these are the best films ever made, I think overall the strength of those two films are way better than the strength of, say, Megan, you know? And I still like Megan, by the way. I still enjoy that film, but in terms of, like, the Hindi films right now, I feel like they're on a never on another level, and you, it's very rare to say that, by the way. It's very rare to say that. Maybe there's recency bias to it, but again, judging off of this year alone, I do think definitely do think that those two movies in particular have been better than the majority of the Hollywood films that I've been watching as of recently. So yeah, overall, those are my thoughts on the Barbie trailer. Hopefully the movie is good. Um, 
I'm more focused on whether or not it makes its money back because again, a hundred million dollars is nothing to scoff at, right? This is a, I mean, this is, I think this is the same budget as say like Spider-Man has had like in back in 2002, maybe even more. Let me look at Spider-Man 2002 and see how much uh, it was at one point or time. Uh, but yeah, it's tied to an IP, so it, it should do well. But, oh, budget was $139 million. Okay, so not as much as that. I did not realize how much that first Spider-Man movie was, but hopefully it's good. I'll watch it for Michael Cera alone because he's just the certified G. You know, Michael Cera is the, the GOAT. He's the goat of uh, the manic pixie dream boys. You know, he was he was the goat of all the nerdy kids back in 2010s, back in the early 20s. He, I think Michael Sarah like created that subculture of just like these nerdy guys that, you know, yeah. I, I feel like he's this. I feel like he's created that subculture of nerds. That's exactly what I just said. <laughs> That's exactly what I believe. Yeah, he created the subculture of the manic pixie dream boy. If there's a thing like that, I, I definitely do think that Michael Cera was the key architect of that. Whether it was through Scott Pilgrim, whether it was through, I think he was in Juno as well. I don't think he was in Juno. Uh, whether it was whether it's Scott Pilgrim, whether it was um, those Judd Apatow movies, super bad. He was the creator of that archetype of, of character. But anyways, I think that's it. That's it for the Barbie uh, talk for today. And I think that'll be it for the podcast, by the way. I think that'll be it for the podcast. I, I think I went a little bit too much on the Barbie thing, but it is what it is. It is what it is. So, guys, uh, thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. Th- make sure you guys like, subscribe, and click the bell icon for notifications down below. Make sure you subscribe to both my podcast channel my podcast clips channel. Make sure you rate and review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. If you have any questions or comments on any of the topics, then feel free to leave them down below, whether it's on Elon Musk changing the logo for Twitter, Barbie, Donald Trump being arrested and arraigned, or that of, say... My Monte Carlo predictions and the individuals that are out due to the Monte Carlo, uh, due to injuries and whatnot. Any of those questions or comments, leave them down below in the in the comment section on YouTube. I'll do my best to respond to each and every one of them. And last but not least, make sure you spread this through your group threads and through your WhatsApp chains. I think it's very very important to get more more people involved and invest in this podcast. More to get more more people talking about this podcast and discussing this podcast. I think it's great for the podcast itself for the growth of this podcast. So if you're able to guys if you guys are able to do that, then that'll be great. Other than that, guys, thank you so much for watching. Uh, thank you so much for listening. I'll see you guys on Tuesday. Uh, avoid the bookings. Enjoy your weekend. Enjoy watching the Monte Carlo and things that are happening in your own life as well. Enjoy that as well. So, guys, enjoy your weekend. Avoid the bookings. I'll see you guys on Tuesday. All right, guys. Peace. See you all.